Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those Telly Guys. Hello and welcome to all the listeners out there of the Those Telly Guys podcast. My name is Rich and I'm joined not usually by this host, but by Lucas. Welcome to the show. You're in the Those Telly Guys studios here in Mount Beauty. How are you doing? Good evening, Rich, and uh, thanks very much, mate. It's a pleasure to join you on this fine evening. Yes, and we are live here, as we say, and on Zoom, as always, I have our good friend Morgan. Mr. Clark, how are you going? Yeah, I'm going good. Thanks, fellas. And gee, it's great to uh, get together and have our little chat this evening. I'm super psyched and um, yeah, super psyched to do some more skiing again and free thy heel with you boys. How are things looking over there? You guys been out skiing this week? Yes. As you know, Morgan, I do live on the hills. Trying to get out there as often as I can. And today was sunny for the most part. In the afternoon, they've got a bit of a cloud cover and a speckling, I would say, of uh, fresh. And we've had some over the weekend and last night as well. So a bit of dust on crust, but, you know. You can't, beggars can't be choosers. Yes, and hopefully more dust to come over the weekend. I saw that we can at least get a dumping of a couple of centimetres, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but yes, Morgs, when yeah. can we see you back up in the high country? Uh, well, you know, maybe maybe this weekend, um, probably not this weekend as it goes to air. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but as we're sitting here today, it could be this weekend or, excuse me, next weekend. Um, yeah, I'll be... Looking to get back out on the skis ASAP. You are going to the Jedi Temple at Sterling soon, are you not? Or have you already been? No, yeah, that's right. I'm going to the Jedi Temple at Sterling. That's going to be not next week, uh, the week after. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to be up there over the next few weeks a couple of times. But, yeah, I was just checking out at the... I spent a bit of time pouring over the conditions and the forecast and thing. Obviously, I'm assuming the forecast at Sterling is fairly similar to what you guys are experiencing up there um, closer to Falls Creek and that it's looking pretty bleak in terms of um, fresh snow on the way. Like there was like, you know, 0.4 mm. um, centimetres of snow, one centimetre of snow the next day, pretty like just sort of cloudy but dry conditions, but still seems to be pretty cold in the forecast. But, um, yeah, at Sterling, for those who do know <laughs> Sterling, it looks like I was checking out the cam that they have there at TBJ and there was no snow to be seen really at telephone box junction. So I think you have to be driven up to King Saddle and then you can put your skis on from King Saddle, which isn't the end of the world. Speaking of snow forecast, this might be a good segue to the Bogong Bulletin. So we'll head there now. This is the Bogong Bulletin. I've just seen in recent news that a huge powder alert is due, not so much for Australia as we've discussed. We might be getting the tail end of something that's floating around in the southern hemisphere but new zealand absolutely getting spanked in the canterbury region i saw up to a meter and a half of snow forecast over this weekend isn't that absolutely bonkers yeah they must be really racking up the snow depth over there because it wasn't only a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about them getting a good meter and a half to kick their season off and um i guess it is i mean it could be a bit of a bad omen because i think we have mentioned before People do like to say in these parts of the world that if New Zealand's getting lots of snow and having a good season, then Australia might be having quite the opposite and then also vice versa. If Australia's getting some dumpings on the mountains, then New Zealand might be missing out. 
So maybe we'll be uh, booking their flights there, Morgan, instead of driving uh, to the snowfields. We might be flying to the snowfields. <laughs> That's probably not a bad shout, you know, like if it is looking pretty grim come our next school holidays in September, New Zealand could definitely be on the cards. But, yeah, Rich might be tied up on baby patrol by then, so we might, um, yeah, have to give it a miss. <laughs> The fresh pair of 75 mil boots waiting. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Flat yeah, you got the tel- teledactyls waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm sure the doctors won't mind and they'll understand why I'm carrying a pair of boots into the, the surgery there. But um, yeah, a big bit interesting for New Zealand because they've, they've been pretty concerned with avalanche concerns and whatnot. And if they get all this snow, then that's just going to really be a blessing, but also a blessing in disguise because I know they've just had a lot of stuff closed waiting for avalanche danger to pass and the snow to solidify. And even here with the base we've had, it seems that, you know, we've had some slides, so I can't imagine what it's going to be like over there once all this shit comes down. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I can't remember if it was on the podcast that we were discussing that, Rich, um, but a friend of the show, Sven, who's over there in New Zealand at the moment, was talking about, it might have been, yeah, when we were last skiing together that Sven was messaging us and saying that, I can't remember what it was due to, but the fact that they just had all this snow on not much of a um, base was just causing some uh, sliding problems or I can't remember. He used some funny phrase to describe it. Slab sliding, I think. But, yeah, uh, that could definitely be a negative. But hopefully, fingers crossed, um, yeah, they have less avalanche danger and people can get amongst it in the Canterbury's because, um, yeah, that'd be fun. Yes, and maybe they can fix Broken River with that much snow. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good promotional snow there, Rich. I like that. Now, tell me, Rich, there's something else in the Bogong Bulletin here. And, Lucas, you can uh, weigh in on this as well. We were talking about this off-air just before we started recording. Falls Creek are proposing a new car park at the – forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong because I've actually never heard of it before – the Anare Shed. Now, where in the world is the Anare Shed, boys, and why is there a new car park going in there? Well, yeah, I guess we'll throw to Lucas in a second, but the Inari Shed is probably, I don't know, a K and a half up the road, maybe a touch yeah, more than that. Yeah, right there on uh, Rocky Valley Lake or Dam. Yeah, it's right there on the dam. A big old shed they would have used for something back in the day for the hydro scheme or for building the resort. It's massive, but it doesn't really do much. So they're proposing to put a car park there with a cafe and better cross-country ski facilities. But the downside to that, yeah, the downside to that is obviously they will lose the ski wall terrain that they currently have on the Bogong High Plains Road, which you can ski all the way out to the Nordic Bowl. And I don't know what they're going to do. Lucas, what are your thoughts? What have you heard? Yeah, it's a very hot topic. People of the show would uh, maybe remember I'm actually one of the cross-country ski groomers there on uh, Falls Creek. Yeah, it's uh, all over the forums and a bit of a tenuous issue. Obviously, skiers don't like anything taken from them or any sort of snow moved away from where they would normally ski it. So uh, understandably on that front, it's going to remove the current trailhead and it'll mean that you'll either have to ski a steep section onto a aqueduct trail which is quite flat but there is quite a technical ascent onto that from windy corner and or yeah you'll have to catch a bus or park out there at the rocky valley dam maybe next season i'm not sure there are plenty of points and there's much to read i suppose if you're in amongst the falls creek local pages or uh, falls creek xc page is uh got a lot of topics and points on there about what they think and yeah there's some support for it obviously 
me, I'm a bit on the fence. Uh, I think it's good for beginners. It'll be great for never-evers and people that don't necessarily want to ski but want to see the area uh, and have a look at the lake and go for a bit of a walk around or whatever. And we do have a lot of people that do walk out there. So the road access for those, that group of people will be great, especially for beginners, in my opinion, uh, putting them on flat terrain as they strap skis to their feet for the first time would be, or cross-country skis to their feet, would be a great advantage because it's less likely they're going to get dismayed or annoyed having to climb a hill and then trying to send that back to hand the skis back. So yeah, but then of course, it'll, it's going to cut the ski area in half to an extent, I suppose. Yeah, it's going to make even the hop it difficult to run as per it has been over the last i think it's been running for now 91 so that's 30 plus years yeah yeah um so the course will have to change because currently hop it start runs out onto a section that will be cleared so uh, it'll be interesting to see what all comes of it but yeah stay tuned the summer will provide some answers yeah like i um I was just thinking when we were talking about it before that it was going to be a little bit further up the road. I didn't realise that the NRA shed was all the way um, at the dam. So I'm assuming it's when you get to where you cross the dam wall and then you turn right to go around to sort of the bottom of Ruined Castle and the likes. Like, is that where the NRA shed is? Like somewhere in there? Yeah. So Rocky Valley Lookout is, there's like a toilet block there and an old uh, pumping shed, or we call it the blower shed. And around the yeah. corner from that, if you were to keep going around on that road, the NRA shed is sitting there in the bank facing the lake, or oh, sorry, the dam. Yeah. So it's on, technically it's on the Panorama Loop ski trail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... As Rich said, it's an old shed. For my memory and or what I've been told about it, it used to be, I think it was Melbourne Universities or one of the universities were involved with it and it used to be a, a storage slash um, they were studying the area back when they were building the Rocky Valley power station and all that sort of stuff. So they were using it as a research station. These days, it's now just used as storage. So it's got a fairly large footprint in there and they just uh, store all their winter gear for like Falls Creek Resort Management and some of the lift stuff is also stored there. And yeah, that's what they use it for summer. Um, Yeah, and obviously the idea is they're going to develop it. Yeah, wow. So, you know, we're going to lose a lot of trail um if that goes ahead as you say the road that generally just gets groomed and that's um you know an excellent gateway to the cross-country trail network that we have here on the bogong high plains but we don't won't necessarily lose the nordic bowl which is such a fantastic place for beginners but it's going to make it mightily awkward to access it now i assume you'll have to sort of just jump in from the side of the road yeah i suppose uh, that's a Good point. Um, they're talking about realigning a bunch of stuff around from the Inari sheds. So, and all making the pad there quite wide. So you'll be able to ski around beside the car park, I guess, is the plan, I believe. So technically, yes and no, there'll still be some up and down and it will be potentially you might want to cross the road, depending on which way you come in to get into the Nordic Bowl. But uh, no, I don't. Look, it does take a main trail part out of our system but then again it doesn't remove that much say for example if i go for a cross-country ski like if i go out tomorrow i'll probably won't even ski that section uh, myself i know a lot of people do Mm. and it is well used because i groom it and i see it every night usually when i'm out there it's pretty well used but for the most part it's actually more let's get to multi-use instead of uh 
um, a lot of ski traffic, I suppose. At the moment, AGL use it. They use that for access. So they chop it up with one of their little personnel transport vehicles. And then a lot of people walk on it, obviously. Yeah, so, I mean, personally, other than having to cross the road at the aqueduct, where it would be that section of the trail would be cut up, I don't think it changes the network for myself that much for how I ski. But then again, a lot of other people do use the trailhead. And obviously, the main uh, people who do cross-country ski come to Windy Corner Park and then be on from there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see... Uh, what comes of it yes it is quite mm. a divisive issue at the moment Plot, lots of cross-country skiers chaining themselves to fences and all sorts of things um, eventually getting too cold to be out there for that long so and then lighting fires yes. yeah yeah lighting <laughs> fires and stuff until their lycra permits them to yes it'll be a hot topic to watch and um, obviously we can there's plenty to talk about there and we'll have to check in with how that's going over the course of the season i think it's probably going to become the new mountain creek bridge saga from <laughs> last year so <laughs> anyway uh, phone lines will be lighting up oh they will be yes 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 <laughs> We will have a phone that will be uh, you'll be able to call in soon on those telly guys, and uh, I think there's a few people planned to call in already. But anyway, uh, Morg's the mailbag. There's something in there that's pretty fun that we'll just have a look at. You've got mail. It's a postcard from the Telemark bus on their tour to Mount Hotham, and this is from the Turner family, avid Telemark skiers, of course, and they write in and say, "Hi, telly guys." Enjoyed the recent show segment, Songs for the Free Healers, on our way from Radelaide to Mount Hotham. Very good. I like that. That's almost promotional snow, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Not, sh- not sure almost. I'll play the intro for that at the moment, but uh, close. The family have some ideas to tweak the lyrics. Now, this is interesting. Work in progress or Free Healers karaoke. Okay, I like it. And we've got some photos here. For the most part, I can see it's largely the same. Except I scroll down to the second page and we can see at the end there they've changed some lyrics that there's corn harvest in the springtime. And that's the way I like it. That's the way I like it. I mean, who doesn't? Mm. And then there's promotional snow on my Insta. And that's the way I like it. And that's the way I like it. And then, the, and, and of course, finishing and I'll be in backcountry in the springtime. And that's the way I like it. What are your thoughts, Morgs? Is it, does a masterpiece need to be changed or? Is it a noteworthy addition that we could probably work into a second rendition? Yeah, yeah. I think we could definitely work it into a second rendition. And as I said, you know, um, and I might have been getting a little bit ahead of myself uh, when I mentioned it to you in a private conversation, Rich, that when we do go to the Backcountry Festival, that it would be funny to whip out the guitars and do a couple of live acoustic versions of some of our duets, you know, just for the passers-by to, to listen to. Maybe this is the radio edit there, more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. The, oh, we didn't even make a radio edit. Perhaps we could take the swear word out and replace that too with something like fudge for the radio yeah. edit. I'm sorry, folks, so we, uh, we just got carried away. But I did like on the first page, and I'm not sure if this is some sort of biblical telemark reference, in the top corner of the, the photos of the pages they've sent me, there's kind of like a 33.39 reference. What do you think that might be? towards morgs yeah well as we were talking about off air before i think it's you know similar to like the psalms or whatever that they have um in the in the king james bible or what have you and it's probably some sort of reference to that like they're developing their own telemark bible or the free heel bible which i would love to get my hands on a copy if i could you know it's kind of like sondre 24 <laughs> and the lord said thou shalt drop thy knee and that's the way i like it that's the way i like it <laughs> 
Maybe maybe we could maybe that's what we could do. We could make the Ten Commandments of Tom. Oh, that's yeah. Or well, maybe the Turner's <laughs> already working on it. Um, and it's in this Bible. If it is a Bible, yeah. please let us know. We'd love to yeah. read it one day. Anyway, moving on to the topic of the show. Now, say the listeners would have already read that this is called uh, a pathway to the dark side. Morgan tries NTN in the title, and that's what this show is about. And we have the new Jedi Master here in Lucas because he has been on NTN for some time and he lent you his skis to borrow while you were wearing your new crispy NTN boots. Lucas could be like the Qui-Gon Jinn in this story. You know, he's like the slightly progressive but off-kilter Jedi Master who, you know, he believes in in the in the light side of the force, but he doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with the Jedi Council, who are still stuck in their seventy five oh. ways, and he's trying to drag Anakin into the. <laughs> Follow me, Morgan. Follow me. <laughs> well, we do we do need to clear up some 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 sticky areas here about Star Wars references because we're getting a bit muddled up here, I think, and and uh, the listeners will see in <laughs> everything. Yeah, well, what is the dark side? This is my point. So we. We need to make sure that everyone's yeah. on the same page here because um, we've been saying you've gone to the dark side. And I believe that's true because Telemark is a way of the force and NTN or 75, it is two ways of the force, like the light and the dark side. So, you know, you're still a force user in my eyes. So you're still some sort of Jedi or Sith Lord, uh, depending on what boots you're wearing on that day. And I think we can all agree here that snowboarders are sand people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's going back to like the second ever episode of those Tally Guys. That was, I think, that was the first time I ever weaved Star Wars into it. But I mean, tr- I mean, we have said we we just call everything the dark side. But um, I mean, traditionally the dark side was alpine skiing. But now in this conversation, dark the going to the dark side has been going to NTN or the new Telemark norm. Um, but yeah, I guess for the sake of clarity, in today's episode, the dark side could be NTN. Yes, we did record some stuff on a chairlift live, but the wind got the better of us and uh, I need to work on somehow blocking that out of my microphone on my phone whilst recording. And I think I've got a way of doing it in the future, but I thought we could reenact what we said on the chairlift there by adding some fun sound effects and and maybe some additional things. So we're going to kind of go through your journey of wearing those boots and trying some different bindings. Yeah, and I'll I'll do my I'll do my best to recall what I was thinking. I mean, it's not going to be <laughs> it's not going to be exactly the same. The dust is settled, I guess, after a couple of weeks. But yeah, very good. Okay, well, has everyone got their ski gear on, Lucas? Are you ready to go for a ski? I'm ready to rip. Yeah, great. You're ready to rip. Okay, and Morgs, you've got your new boots on there. You ready to go, mate? Yep, and I'm just going to step in. I don't even have to bend down and put my leashes on or anything. So um, you know, we'll just be waiting for you, Rich, to put your yeah. Put your how I'll just do that on. now. Is- <laughs> Five minutes later. All right. Oh, look here. All right, here we are at um, the bottom of Scott's chair. Let, let's get up uh, the chair. Oh, oh, there goes a Jerry. Oh my. Oh yeah. Heavens above. Double ejection. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Hi guys, all the way to the red line, please. Oh, great, great bump. Thank you nice. very much. That was really good. Okay. Okay, as we said, Morgs, we're on the Scots chair here and you've done a couple of runs down from the top of Falls Creek in your new NTN boots and we're joined by Lucas. Say hello, Lucas, here. Good day, fine telemark skiers. And as we've said, Lucas is obviously the, the new Jedi Master to the, the NTN skier here. Morgs, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, well, my first thoughts are, um, so 
I'll just quickly uh, mention the setup. So I'm on the, the crispy Evo boots, um, NGN, and I am skiing the Liberty Helixes with Rotterfeller NTN free ride bindings. And we're, look, we're looking at those right now. Yeah, they look nice. Hold but nice. My first thoughts are that it's not as, as my first overwhelming thought is that it's definitely not as different to um, skiing 75 mil as I thought um, that it might be. So uh, no crashes down down those first couple of runs. And um, yeah, it does definitely feel like the pivot point and the kind of the, the tension point, I guess, if, if you will, and I know you will, is a little bit further forward on the foot than it might be with, uh, say, an axle binding, which I'm used to skiing with my 75 mil boots. Um, but all in all, yeah, not super different. Definitely not that different in terms of the amount of power that it feels like you being able to put through the skis. But um, yeah, and in terms of in terms of edge control and lateral stability, um, I think I'll need to do a few more runs to make more fair comments on that. Yes. Okay. Very good. First use summary, I guess. And Lucas, do you have any tips from swapping from 75 to NTN? Yeah, good, uh, good question. Yeah, Rich. It was so long ago that I switched. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go through your memories. Yes. I need to retrace. Yeah, I think I feel like your stance tends to change. Uh, coming from 75 into NTN, I feel like you you are far more upright, as in, so you're a little less elongated with your stance, I guess, and you can keep that inside or uphill ski in underneath you. So it's a little bit more of a squat down or lunge down instead of lunging or forward or allowing that back foot to trail behind you. And I think that's part of the advantage of NTN where you can be a lot more aggressive with that uphill or dropped knee ski and uh, really drive it into the snow and potentially even get more than a f or 50-50 the other way or as in a bit more of a split the other way so you can be even weighting that inside ski a little more than you would maybe tend to if you're on 75 mil gear. Nope. Yeah, hold on to those thoughts. Here comes the top of the chairlift. Uh, don't ride the bull wheel around we'll have to we'll have to get off and we'll we'll ski a few runs and we'll get back on and hear morgan's thoughts after a couple of runs right, here we go safety bar a little longer than a few minutes later okay here we are we're on the summit chair now and it's a beautiful day the birds are singing as you can hear in the background and all the other animals are also very happy here at Falls Creek and Morgs you've skied a bunch on the free ride but you've also skied a bunch in the outlaws you've swapped into those and it looked very steezy as you stepped in again very jealous of that feature what are your thoughts on the two bindings are they any different do you have a preference yeah well the the massive difference from what I can see is the outlaws have such a drastically different um, system to lock your your lock your foot into the binding like it's just um, for those that are familiar with the binding the orange plastic piece that flicks up underneath the duck butt it's really bizarre in that i'm not really sure what's holding it in there there's obviously some sort of spring tension but it seems really weird uh in you know the way to flick it off is just by kind of twisting it back the other way as opposed to the rotterfeller free ride where you actually step your foot into the binding um, and then 
press down this kind of lever at the front of the binding which locks you in so there's really no way um, that you can come out of the free ride as opposed to the outlaw which seems a little bit more dubious but yeah th that's just my initial thoughts in terms of the way that they actually ski i think that the outlaw is a more powerful binding but however having skied both of the outlaws and the free rides there does still seem to be a little bit of play that you get on axles or any other 75 mil binding for that matter in that like if you lift your boot and your ski off the snow there is a i don't know you might call it two to three degrees of movement from boot from ski where there is no tension going through the binding that might just be because the bindings are used and maybe in need of a service or new springs or like whatever it might be but yeah that's just what i've noticed even though i have heard some people in the past say that you kind of you don't get that but maybe that's more of a reflection on how good the axle binding actually is and that it actually skis much more powerfully than any other 75 mil binding the the kind of friction or like tension point on outlaws seems to be much further back than the rotifellas so when i was skiing the rotifellas it felt like the boots were really bending in the bellows whereas in the outlaws it doesn't quite feel like they're bending in the bellows and toe crushing as much but overall the boots are really comfortable as well i thought i'd just mention that as well but yeah the outlaws seem and this could also be a reflection of the fact that they're on different skis as well but the outlaws feel i definitely feel really stable in the outlaws not that i feel unstable on the free rides but the outlaws feel like probably a more aggressive or powerful binding in my opinion and lucas you've skied both quite a lot over the years would you have the same sort of thoughts yeah similar along the lines there i suppose what morgs is getting at uh i guess i'll put a lot more thought into it because we've had multiple conversations on chairs uh over the last couple of years about this and a lot of, I do get asked kind of a little bit what's the difference and all that. Uh, I definitely feel like, yes, the Outlaw has a lot more power available just with the design and the way they've built the binding. Uh, there's a lot more steel involved. Uh, I think that's probably one of the main points, I guess. There's a lot less uh, torsional flexing that happens, I feel. I mean, it doesn't matter on your front foot uh, or downhill ski because obviously you're just standing on the ski and the binding, it doesn't matter what it's doing. But definitely that uh, drop knee or uphill ski, you'll feel it uh, in the edge control, in my opinion. The Outlaw definitely holds an edge better. You can uh, definitely, once you angulate and put that ski on an edge, it seems to track far better than the free ride. And I think that's just a design with the free ride being mostly plastic in between the i think the technical term is the duck butt grabber uh, and uh and the toe piece um as far as that is concerned yes and then uh, although i haven't skied all modes of uh free ride so i've only ever skied the blue springs i believe which are the medium that come with the binding uh there is a stiffer spring you can get and there's there are adjustment options i suppose within the free ride that i haven't really explored as much as maybe i could but yeah uh, outlaw is similar though you can get different springs and uh, obviously wind them up and down on both bindings so you can obviously uh adjust a little i guess to the point morgan was saying of like flex and where at that happens i definitely feel like the outlaw flex 
flexes under the ball of my foot a lot more and I guess it's the design and like the I think they call it the sick pin where that sits and what it forces the boot to do when you flex that binding I feel like I get put on the ball of my foot a lot more uh, which is a, uh, in my opinion a great thing as far as NTN's concerned and all that whole the way that it's sort of a, a it's a compensator I guess I mean good technique will have you put your ball your foot through the ski anyway but yeah I feel like the outlaw definitely does a better job of making you do that instead of the free ride yeah it's a little more hingy on the toe especially in the initial part of the flex before maybe you start weighting it correctly and yeah I suppose those two points are probably the main differences between those two bindings i think and then obviously the stepping function yeah i mean personally after much thought i actually prefer the free ride step in i mean I, I love the 22 designs binding and i think it's the best binding on the market but i do i am dubious about the dark art of <laughs> uh keeping the now boot to ski uh or boot to binding sorry in regards to it's just a cam basically it's relying on the spring pressure of the binding to cam into place and then keep it there. And if there's any anything untoward or snow or whatever in there, then it can jeopardise that um, sort of holding in place. Whereas the free ride, as you mentioned, Morgs, it locks it or you you lever you push a lever down and that uh, grabs the duck butt and uh it's there so yeah i think it's a superior design in my opinion a little more less step in style like you can't just step straight in and be located you need to do another process like locking that cam down but i think it's a little more positive and a little more mechanical it's like locking a ski boot mm. to a binding like it should be i guess whereas uh yeah i think the outlaw it's a bit of a drawback and probably one of the only ones and also the releasability, I suppose. I've definitely released out of the free rides a lot and only ever when I've wanted them to be releasing. It's always been when I thought, oh, I'm glad that ski come off of my foot. Yeah, so I think, uh, whereas the Outlaw, the only time I think I've ever come out of them was when I broke it. <laughs> <laughs> Still releasable. Still yeah. Releasable. <laughs> Technically releasable. Yeah, you're right. It did, it did seem like the free rides have, like, from memory, just when stepping into the binding around where the duck butt grabber is and Rich is probably thinking that he's going to have to call the RSPCA in a second we're talking about the duck butt grabber but um, <laughs> around where the duck butt grabber is there's like a couple of little roller like these little wheels that are sort of on like a, a pinion that so I'm assuming that's where if you forced it hard enough at the right kind of angle that the boot could release uh, from memory just from looking at the binding those little poles that um, lock in the side there allow the boot to um, bust out the side of those uh, it's a spring pressure thing again but uh, yeah that's kind of how they work and maybe I mean thinking of it now I suppose maybe because I run my outlaws pretty tight in the spring pressure maybe that's why I've never had a release on them and the free rides have always been a little bit loose I suppose in from my mind but yeah, I suppose. And then again, it's not a DIN system, so it's not, nothing's uh, for certain. Do the Outlaws have the same pin system underneath that the axles and the vices and the hammerheads before them have had? Do they have that, do they have the pins in it as well to like be able to adjust oh. kind of that torsion? No, so the, Lynx have the links, the links, yeah, yeah, the links does have a movable sink pin or sick pin. So you can, there's three points where you can adjust. Yeah 
for how the flex goes with that. Uh, no, the outlaw is uh, one hole and it's set and it's pretty neutral, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after I've skied the links as well, a whole bunch, and I would say the hinge point is in the neutral position. Interesting. Oh well. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, we had to ride the bull wheel around a few <laughs> times there. Very nice of the lifties on the summit to wave us through. They could see we were talking, and here we are lifting Death the safety download. Lifting. Yes, yes. Lifting the safety bar. Yeah. We'll slide away here, and we'll we'll get Morgan's final thoughts uh, live, obviously on the lift. Um, about his NTN experience here at Falls Creek today. Two hours later. Okay, here we are. We're we're back. We're back on Ruin Castle. We've done a few more laps. Morgs, you've skied different bindings. You're in some new boots. You've had some different turns on some different skis. Are your final thoughts on the NTN experience today? Yeah, great question, Rich. Um, I'd just like to preface this with the fact that I have mainly skied the the free rides. I only did about three or four runs with the Outlaws. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed the free rides. As I said earlier, and I'd probably just rehash it again, I have not really found it that much different to skiing 75 mil, particularly, I guess, being like coming from the, the axle binding and a Scarpa T1 boot and um, well, some other boots that I used to ski a bit, the Black Diamond uh, Customs. But um, yeah, I, and I guess because a lot of I had heard a lot of people saying things like, "Oh, you know, you you might find that you're you're feeling quite wayward and like having trouble sort of finding this the sweet spot when you when you're having that first day or two on NTN, um, and maybe you're going to be falling all over the place a bit." Um, so I did kind of have that in my mind. I was sort of expecting that a little, but that totally wasn't the case, which I thought was really interesting. But I, upon reflection, I, I think like maybe maybe people that had said that have come from like a quite a, a much softer binding or it had a lot more experience tele skiing on like softer boots and softer bindings, maybe like G3 Targas or like Rotofella Chilies and, and shorter cuff boots and things like that. Whereas me having skied um, nothing but axles and hammerheads for the last sort of three or four years and pretty aggressive telemark boots, um, I find that the lateral stability is I would say it is a little bit better with these NTN bindings, the lateral stability. I mean, upon reflection, the axle is still pretty good. It's still pretty laterally stiff. It's not a game-changing difference going to NTN from something like an axle, in my opinion. That's that's kind of my final thoughts. But yeah, I've had a great day. It's been really fun skiing NTN. I'd like, like to celebrate your NTN day by having a beer on the chairlift and uh, obviously against the Alpine responsibility code, but oh. uh, <laughs> mm. lucky it's the last lift. Lucky it's the last lift. Uh, yes, but one thing <laughs> I would like to ask you, we did experience, well, you experienced, I only witnessed it, the ski kind of falling away from the crispy boot from the duck butt there with the outlaw. Uh, yeah, yeah. The so outlaw, when yep. you're riding the outlaw and maybe that's why we swapped back. That was quite interesting, wasn't it? It was quite a hectic moment because we were almost at the top of the um, the Ruin Castle chair and friend of the show, Andy Crow, had just called me to congratulate me on joining the dark side of the force. Um, and... <laughs> And, and so I was on the phone to him. We were almost at the top. And then, because it was the second time that it had happened, it happened on the summit chair as well. The right ski fell off the right boot. Now, it's just so fortunate that Lucas is running leashes rather than brakes on those particular skis because that managed to save me. And also, Lucas saved my bacon as well. 
um, even with his crook back, he was able to bend over the safety bar and sort of grab the ski. But yeah, I was sort of on the phone, so like I was flustered. I was absolutely rattled. Had to like put my phone back in the pocket and like tell the lift operator to stop. And he's like, "Oh, just slow down or stop." Or it was it was very hectic. And then managed to sort of scuttle my way off the top of the chair and then get the skis back on. But I mean, when we were talking about it at the time that it happened. Um, my initial thoughts were that, well, perhaps because different boot manufacturers, I mean, Lucas is skiing around on um, Scarpa NTN boots. I was in the Crispies. I mean, there's only two sizes of NTN binding in any manufacturer, just large and small as far as I'm aware. Um, and so that means that there's only really going to be two distances. So like if you're a, between a 26.5 and, you know, 35 or however big they make ski boots the large dimension for a duck bill to duck butt is going to be x amount of centimeters um, but for some reason maybe the crispy measurement is just like that half a mil off or i don't know but like surely other people must ski crispy boots um with outlaw ntn bindings like i don't know maybe other people have found the same issue but it would seem really bizarre Yes, well, if anyone is out there that has experienced the similar feeling of their duck butt suddenly releasing, um, let us know on their crispy boots, of course. Your duck butt is pretty firm, isn't it, Lucas? That's never happened to you. Yeah, so um, I've run the Scarpers for the most part with the Outlaw Rexes, and yeah, they are quite positive when they, when I cam into them or step into them and that little cam flips up it's pretty tight like mm. it's not i don't feel like it would ever come off and i've never had it come off on a lift or anytime i even just uh skiing down the slopes i haven't had them release on me so yeah it's a, that was a very interesting for it to happen a couple of times and for me to step straight back into those skis uh right after it happened to morgues uh i can only assume that yeah there's maybe a measurement uh disparity there between maybe boots and all the uh, crispy is just maybe that slightly a bit shorter. I've definitely had issues with the Scott Voodoo MTN system and mainly the fact that instead of it being a casting... It's like a Lego but duck butt, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you can, attach <laughs> yeah, you can, you can attach it and take, the butt, take it off again. And a, year, a couple of years ago, I broke that part and then um, in, a, in a crash and then I struggled to find... Uh, anyone to supply me one so then I, I fabricated one myself um, and I guess I got that measurement or some of those dimensions slightly wrong I was just freehanding it um, comparing it to the uh, okay one from the other side and uh, I've, I've definitely had issues along the same lines but not in the outlaw um, I guess I haven't skied that uh, boot in the outlaw that much uh, but definitely in the links i would have an issue with it uh basically not grabbing the duck like the little catch that grabs the duck but would not grab it properly and then i'd end up in skiing along and drop into a turn and i'd be in uh tour mode basically which with <laughs> with the links that was uh that was an issue but yeah uh, interesting i suppose the drawback of uh, the NTN system and yeah, getting those measurements right and all the boot to fit the binding properly could be definitely a red flag for some. Yes, well, it's got my tail between my legs <laughs> for my NTM dreams. I'm just going to continue stuffing my duckbill 
forcibly <laughs> into my bindings and uh, enjoy it while that lasts. But we might have to head back to the studio now and get off this chairlift for, for reels this time. Um, but that, that was a great summary of the day. All right, we're here. We're back in the studio now. And wow, wasn't that nice listening back to our our real-time experience on the chairlifts there. And I'm surprised you carried beers around with you, Lucas, all day. <laughs> Slave to the game, man. Yeah. Slave to the game. Yeah, yeah really just good. Just a flagrant, flagrant disregard as the Alpine code of conduct, but, you know. Yes, yes. But um, going forward, it's a tricky one to know what to do, Morgan, because there's this tempting deals online, isn't there? The free heel life of putting up discontinued Scott voodoo boots and absolutely selling them for a bargain. And it's very tempting to buy a new set, isn't it? So what are your thoughts going forward from here? Yeah, absolutely tempting, um, Richard. I mean, earlier today, um, I think we exchanged a few messages when each of us were at work and I sort of jokingly mentioned that we could perhaps do like a bit of a group purchase of the the Scott Voodoo's live on the podcast tonight, which would be a bit of a laugh. But, <laughs> you know, I'm still kind of mulling that over in my head. I'm not really sure what the path forward is. And, I mean, the reason that I actually genuinely am tempted to buy um, a pair of these Voodoo's because of the fantastic deal that they are and also just due to the fact that it's pretty much going to be the last chance ever to grab a slice of history and grab a pair of brand new 75 mil uh, big kind of resort style Telemark boots because we know that the T1s are being discontinued. Crispy aren't making 75 mil, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they've um, still got the XR, which is a big boot, but yeah, hard to get here in Australia okay. for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 okay. And yeah, so in terms of Scarpa, you can get the T2, um, which is, yeah, slightly different though but yeah so like i mean as uh free hill life said it is a bit of like a run out kind of clearance sale like they just happen to get them from from the supplier through some sort of hookup deal and yeah i mean you ask me what's what's the path moving forward i'm not actually sure because yeah i'm sort of in this position now where i have a pair of ntn boots but i don't actually have any ntn bindings or skis myself at the moment so not really sure what to do i mean i'll i'll try and um scrounge up some you know uh, secondhand ntn stuff if i can and maybe use that but um yeah i'm definitely tempted to have i got a deal for you morgan oh here we go a live <laughs> sale on the show make your pitch lucas make your pitch uh, i want to buy some old uh liberty uh, sequence and free rides i think you've already <laughs> tested them <I> mean... <laughs> oh yeah for sure We'll talk after, <laughs> talk after the show. <laughs> yes, you, you guys, you guys will have further discussions. But yeah, that's great. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm I'm staying staying put at the moment. My boots are comfortable, but yeah, I do. I realized last time I ski that my energies aren't as energetic as they used to be. I've skied them pretty hard the last few years, and yeah you're right thinking about a different boot is a bit of a dilemma now in terms of a big four buckle powerful boot so yeah i'm gonna have some serious thoughts tonight about whether i commit to these these strange boots that i've read so much about this somehow very soft in the bellows but strangely very stiff in the cuffs so anyway some decisions need to be made morgan yeah i think you know in terms of your situation as well rich i think it you know the more the merrier, really. I mean, the amount of ski gear that you have um, <laughs> is enough to, you know, get a kid out of small 
small pontoon of um you know cub scouts or something but um like you know it's just kind of more more gear for the arsenal and um yeah like it's a good deal and it's probably going to be the last chance you ever really get to um to get a boot a boot like this hold on morgan are you the new freehill life australia rep <laughs> yeah. yeah. If Josh, if Josh and Taylor are out there listening to this, they they'll be loving my sales pitch. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or if well, or if anyone else out there listening wants to buy some um, Scott Voodoo's at a great price, free <laughs> here life website and just just check them out. Them but yes, no, you are right. I was about to push by when I was listening to you then before uh, Lucas snapped me out of my trance. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, Morgs. Um, I'm going to have to have a serious think. But uh, that's probably all we have time for today, gentlemen. And Lucas, thanks so much for coming onto the show. Your thoughts and opinions are greatly appreciated. And I'm sure the technical kind of detail you put into that, a lot of skiers will appreciate and probably liken to as well. Yeah, no problem. It was uh, a pleasure as always, Rich and Morgs catching up and it's been great fun to be on the Those Tell You Guys podcast. Cheers, boys. Free the heel. Very good. We'll catch you later. Those Telly Guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at thosetellyguys at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. (laughs) 